Hey, this is Pastor Daniel McGee with Connection Church in New York City. Thank you for listening to our church's weekly podcast. We hope God uses this sermon to encourage you and to increase your faith in Him. If you'd like to know more about our church, please check out our website at ConnectionNYC.com or like us on Facebook at ConnectionNYC. Grace and peace be with you. If you would, join me in the book of Acts. We are working our way through the beautiful, historical, powerful book of Acts. And it could be aptly titled Acts of the Apostles or the Disciples, also Acts of the Holy Spirit. But it is an action-packed book. It's when the Holy Spirit filled the church, filled the believers. The church began, actually, uh, filled the followers of Jesus And we are in Acts chapter 11, if you want to join me there. Um, Acts chapter 11, and we're going to today talk about we are extensions of God's grace. We're extensions of God's grace. That's what I want us to receive God's grace today, but also realize that God is using us in a very powerful way to extend that grace to other people in our lives. I, I normally scroll right past when people post things on Facebook or Instagram that are, are kind of like those chain email things. I usually scroll past those really quickly, but one of them caught my eye uh, this week, and I want to share it with you uh, because it ties into what God's grace truly is. You know, oftentimes in life, we, we think that I have to, to live up to a certain level in order to be pleasing to God, in order to have God's love and His favor in my life. I have to do all these things in order to please Him. And we forget the beauty of God's grace. It's God's grace that changes us. It's not the fact that we've learned how to figure you know, out how to do the right things and, and live a life that is quote-unquote good. And so uh, this was a quote that I saw, and you may have seen this before, but I like it. Here it is. It says, How does the thief on the cross fit into your theology? No baptism, no communion, no confirmation, no speaking in tongues, no mission trip, no volunteerism, and no church clothes. He couldn't even bend his knees to pray. He didn't say the sinner's prayer, and among other things, he was a thief. Jesus didn't take away his pain, didn't heal his body, didn't smite the scoffers. Yet it was a thief who walked into heaven the same hour as Jesus simply by believing. He had nothing more to offer other than this belief that Jesus was who He says He was. No spin from brilliant theologians, no ego, no arrogance, no shiny lights, no skinny jeans, thankfully, no crafty words. Actually, I like skinny jeans. No haze machines, no donuts, no baklava, No coffee in the entrance, simply a naked man on a cross, unable to even fold his hands to pray. You know, God's grace truly is beautiful, and we often, we can easily forget how great His grace is. In fact, it popped up in a couple of songs today that we've sang already, Uh, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing, Tune My Heart to Sing Thy What? Thy grace. That's what I sing. 
I sing God's grace. And, and at the end it says, Oh, to grace, how great a debtor daily I'm constrained to be. So the more grace has its effect in my heart, guess what? The more I'm going to walk in that obedience to the Lord, the more I will be pleasing to Him because I'm, I'm motivated to be. My heart is changed by, wow, you look upon me with love and favor the same way you looked upon that thief on the cross with love and favor. I don't, didn't deserve it. I didn't earn it. But you chose me in your goodness and in your grace. You chose me to give me what I don't deserve. And we receive that as Christians, and we are to extend that out as Christians as well. So as we look at Acts chapter 11, uh, starting in verse 19, I'm going to take us through these scriptures and allow the Word of God to hopefully continue a transformative work in our hearts to make us more and more like Christ. In chapter 11, verse 19, we can read here, it says, Now those who had been scattered by the persecution that broke out when Stephen was killed traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, spreading the word only among the Jews. So remember, the book of Acts is is action-packed, and the church is birthed, right? This brand new work, God is pouring out His Holy Spirit on men and women, all right, all believers, not just the, the anointed kings of the Old Testament or the prophets of the Old Testament, but the normal, everyday, run-of-the-mill people like you and me. All right, They're filled with the powerful Holy Spirit of God, and they're being persecuted for that. This is a, 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 a world-changing event where it is captivating people and it is challenging the system, the religious system of the day. And they're facing persecution for this. It's a threat. So these people were going around spreading word only among the Jews because it makes sense for them to do that. I mean, it, how do I say this? I didn't think about this. This is the first thought, so I'm going to be careful how I say this. It makes sense to only reach out to the people that are like you. So be very careful when you judge people for their prejudices because you're probably prejudiced too. We, we all have them. They, they're masked differently. We all are very inclined to reach out to the people that are like us. And so they're, they're reaching out to the Jews because they're familiar with them for sure. But also God's chosen people were Israel. It was the nation of Israel. And so this is a brand new work too that they're saying, Oh, my word, this is not just for us Jews, but this is for the Gentiles too. So remember in that day, you're either Jewish or Gentile based on the context of what we're looking at here. You're either God's chosen nation or you were not. So there's two... Um, sects of people that you could be in, Jewish or Gentile, and they were reaching out to the Jews. Some of them, however, the next verse, men from Cyprus and Cyrene went to Antioch and began to speak to the Greeks also. Greeks is another word you could use for Gentiles here. It means non-Jews. Also, telling them the good news about Jesus. So they're taking this step of faith, and they're taking the gospel, the good news, uh, and announcing it to people outside of the Jewish um, nation. And then this phrase hit me. The Lord's hand was with them. The Lord's hand was with them, and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. It's interesting here because this, the Lord's hand was, is in a few other verses as well, and you, and you kind of look at that. What does that exactly mean? Well, quickly, it means the Lord's favor was with them, that God was with them. He had favored them. He had chosen them and he had lifted them and exalted them in a way that he was going to do a massive work through them. His favor was on them. And we see it a few other places in the Bible too. Uh, in Luke chapter 1 
verse 66. Everyone who heard this wondered about it, asking, and this is speaking about John the Baptist, uh, what then is this child going to be? For the Lord's hand was with him. And so John the Baptist was this individual. The Holy Spirit um, filled and anointed him, and he did this great work, and he announced the coming of the Messiah. He had this huge calling, and among people born of women, I think is how Jesus said it, there was none greater than who? John the Baptist. I mean, he was, he was, he was it. He was the cat's meow. He, he, he was great. And so the Lord's hand was with him because he had this great, powerful calling from God to do. But it was just John the Baptist that the Lord's favor was on, uh, the hand was on. And so in, in Genesis chapter 39, we see this, another man named Joseph. The Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered and he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. And so we see another phrase here of this anointing that fell on Joseph that caused him to prosper. Now, Joseph had a really tough life, didn't he? He went through a lot of things. He was imprisoned. He was wrongly accused of things. He went to prison for things he didn't even do. And, and he was faithful in those times. And he was finally exalted to the second in command over all of Egypt. And he wasn't even Egyptian. I mean, he walked like an Egyptian, right? Sorry. Just, okay, moving forward. And so he, he, he played that game, and, and he, he was faithful during that time. And God exalted him and had this favor on him because he had a special calling on Joseph's life. And Joseph was the one who ended up being the one saving all of his family from a famine. And so in the Old Testament, it's very easy to see that the Holy Spirit and God's favor would land on individuals, not as a collective, but it would fall on certain people for certain measures, for certain uh, missions that God had called them to do, right? But something different is happening in the book of Acts. It's not just falling on the Josephs and the John the Baptist. It's falling on the women and the men that don't have their names written in the Bible. I mean, there's tons of Christians that did powerful things in the book of Acts that we have no record of. There are millions of people today that God is using to do wonderful things that we have no record of. We don't see that. We don't read that in the news. So God is doing a powerful work, and His favor, His hand, going back to uh, the book of Acts, His hand was on and with them. Not just Him, but them. And this is very encouraging. The, the plurality of God's favor is on us as well to the extensions of God's grace. So let's continue. So the, a lot of people came to faith, and then the news of this, this move of God reached the church in Jerusalem and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. Now Barnabas, you're going to like him. When he arrived and he saw the grace of what grace... Let me start over on that one. When he arrived and saw what the grace of God had done, he was glad and he encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. So this grace of God was what Barnabas was exalting as the, the praiseworthy power of the change in the effect that he was seeing. It wasn't the fact that some, there was a superstar who was you know, drawing a crowd. There was the grace of God that was moving and taking this good news of Jesus to non-Jewish people. And they were so encouraged by this, or he was so encouraged by this, that he told them, say, look, remain true to the Lord with all of your heart. It's going to get tough. It's tough. 
the world we live in is tough. And, and I think we can probably all agree that there are tough aspects about our faith right now too. Even though we live in a prosperous country and we really don't face the persecution that they face for sure in the, in the book of Acts for our faith, but we still have challenges in our faith as well. So I think we can agree that it's not an easy place to, to live, but he's saying, look at what the grace of God has done and be true to the Lord with all of your heart. Now, Barnabas was a good man. See, I told you, you're going to like him. He's a good man. He was full of the Holy Spirit and faith. If you want to be a, a good woman or a good man in the eyes of God, it's not about being the expert. It's not about being the, uh, the one who stands out. I would encourage you to seek to be full of the Holy Spirit. That's what causes you to stand out. That's what activates the grace of God in your life to where you can now extend that grace to other people. Are you full of the Spirit? And, and faith here too, I want to add some words. I'm not adding to the Bible, don't worry about that. Uh, but I want to add to your understanding when you read this, full of the Holy Spirit and full of faith, uh, that we are by grace we are saved by faith, right? And so it's not by the works that we've done, but it's by faith. And so it's not just faith in something, but when you see this word, almost all the time you see it in the New Testament especially, if you add this phrase to it, faith in the faithfulness of Jesus. I have faith in the faithfulness of Jesus. I don't just have faith in in God in general, because that could mean a lot of different things, but my faith is very specific. My faith is in the fact that Jesus was faithful, that He did it all. And so my faith is not in the fact that I can be faithful. It's not in the fact that I can finally do what God's called me to do because He's changed my heart. My faith always remains in the faithfulness of Jesus. Very specific. So He was full of the Holy Spirit and He was full of faith in the faithfulness of Jesus, which is why He's saying, stay true to the Lord. Stay true to Him with all your heart. He will never let you down. He didn't let the thief on the cross down and you know He didn't heal him. He didn't vindicate him, but he ushered him into heaven as his own. A great number of people were brought to the Lord. And so if you would, you don't have to turn there, but you can just highlight it if you want. You can go there if you want to. You may be quick in that. But Ephesians chapter 3 verse 2 is where I get the extensions of of God's grace from. And this is Paul writing, and we're going to see in the next few verses here the name Saul used, and as we've talked about before, Saul and Paul are the same person. Uh, Saul didn't become Paul. Paul and Saul have always been the same. There's a, a Jewish name and a Greek name, okay? Just like Simon and Peter, just like all kinds of people have different names. Um, what was it, the ones we had, Dorcas and the other one? What was their other name? Tabitha. Tabitha, thank you. See, that's why you guys are great. You saved me just like that. All right, so uh, different names. So Paul is writing this to... Uh, non-Jewish people in Ephesus. And he says, Surely you have heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you. Now this is interesting. It wasn't Paul who first took the gospel of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles, even though he's known as the apostle to the Gentiles, right? But he wasn't the first one. You know who the first one was? That's right, Peter. Peter was the first. Uh, And so... God used these Jewish people to go and take the God's grace, the, the message of the gospel, to the non-Jewish people. So this word administration here uh, is, is not, you know, 
something that you normally would just stop and, and point at. You think of administration, you think of you have an admin that handles the administration of a company or something like that. But surely you have heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you. Another word for administration here is stewardship. That God's given me this stewardship of God's grace that I'm supposed to be given, that's given to me for you. All right? Another one here, uh, oh, I wrote it down over here. Let me look. Another way to say this is uh, the New Living Translation says, Assuming, by the way, that you know God gave me the special responsibility of extending His grace to you Gentiles. And so there's this special responsibility that we have now, that Paul had for them, that we've received God's grace, and now it's up to me to give that to you. I'm an extension of God's grace. Now, here's the deal. I'm not going to be very gracious to you if I don't really think God's grace has been that special, uh, especially great to me. But the more I realize that I'm like the thief of the cross, much more than I'm like the, you know, the faithful disciple of Jesus, I'm much more identifying with Him by being you know, broken in my sin and having no uh, a plea other than the blood of Christ. The more I understand that that's who I am and that God ushers me in, the more my heart is going to be melted and the more I'm going to be conformed and shaped more by the grace of God so that I can and I will desire to give grace to people. I mean, I'm not looking for people to, you know, in my best moments, I'm not looking for people to offend me or to harm me so I can give them grace. That's not the point. What I'm saying is that the more full of the Holy Spirit we are, the more grace abounds in our heart, the more we will excitedly give grace to other people. We will want to do this. It's a responsibility that we've had. It is offensive to God for us to hold on to, to hoard these great gifts of grace and mercy that God's given to us and not give it to others. It makes me think just off the top of my head the, the, the story of the unmerciful servant, right? The one who was forgiven like 10,000 or whatever it was, 10,000 talents or, or an exorbitant amount of money that would take him a long, long time that he never could have lived to pay it off. And then he held a day's wages or whatever over someone else and wouldn't forgive them. And God said, I'm not putting up with that. And so there is this responsibility we have to be generous with what God's given to us, to be extensions of God's grace. God's given you everything by His grace, everything. Even if you've earned your money through your own company and you've done these things, He's still given you all of that by His grace because He's given you the talent to be able to even think of those opportunities. So let's go back to the book of Acts. Barnabas is saying, you guys are great. Keep pursuing the Lord with all of your heart. Then Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul. So remember, Saul had this conversion experience. He was killing people for following Jesus. He was responsible for that. He was over it. He, I don't know if he delighted in it, but he was a very fervent follower of God. And it was such an awakening moment for him and a, and a traumatic moment for him to realize that he was so faithful to God in all those years of trying to root out this cult of the way of these Christians. And then he had this road to Damascus experience where God said, hey, you're actually persecuting me, Saul. You're, you're doing the opposite of what you think you're doing. What a traumatic moment for him to realize that all those years trying to be faithful, he was actually being unfaithful. And so when he found Saul, Barnabas brought him to Antioch. So for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught great numbers of people. 
the disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. So we don't have a lot of information about what happened in that, in that year, but isn't that cool that they were there for an entire year? You know, I, I think of that, that's a long time. We just kind of gloss over that in one verse. Yeah, they were for a year. A lot of good stuff happened. Let's move on. Uh, but it is interesting if you want to know where the, the term Christian came from. It started right here in Antioch. The disciples were first called Christians in Antioch, which is a cool historical note. All right, moving forward. During this time, some prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch. One of them, named Agabus, stood up and through the Spirit predicted that a severe famine would spread over the entire Roman world. And this happened during the reign of Claudius. So I highlighted through the Spirit here because there are, I think it's Thessalonians, right? Where it talks about testing prophecies. Don't be afraid of prophecies, but to test them. And so that's one of the things I grew up in my church tradition. Uh, we just didn't talk about prophecies at all. We didn't have prophetic words. That was just something that wasn't part of my tradition. But it's not something we should be afraid of. The Holy Spirit moves within us and can give us words of prophecy and can give us things to, uh, to share with people as God would want us to do because while the Bible is God's Word and we believe it and we trust it, it doesn't have everything in there. It doesn't tell me if I should buy this car or not, right? And so there's this active relationship that we have with the Holy Spirit where He can speak specifically into the events of the day for us in that moment. So we test those prophecies. If the prophecy, if I give you a word and uh, it doesn't stick with your spirit, the Holy Spirit's saying no, then don't do anything with it, all right? That word, that, you know, I missed it. So sometimes when you're prophetic, you might miss it. And so you stick with the ones that hold true. So if there's a, an, a, a Holy Spirit confirmation within you, uh, that's a good thing. If it is aligning with the, lining up with the Word of God, that's good. Uh, if it violates the Word of God, throw it out. Move forward, all right? And so God moves actively through the church. And so there's this famine that's coming, and that also reminds me of Joseph, right? Because that's what he saved his family from as well. This anointing, this favor, the hand that was on him, like this thing was coming, and God's hand was on them, favor was on them to get them through that. So the disciples, they hear this prophetic word, and it lines up, and they, as each one was able, the disciples, again, means follower of Jesus, right? You remember that? So if you were following Jesus, you were his disciple. Each one of them, uh, as each one was able, decided, you can highlight that word, they made a choice to provide help for the brothers and sisters living in Judea. They, we all have those choices to make in our life as well. Like when there's an opportunity before us, one of the best things we can do is ask, what can I do to help? What can I do to help? And we have a choice to make. Sometimes we make a choice to just ignore what's going on around us and walk past and not do anything with that. But... God's grace is not just in forgiving, but extending God's grace is in giving. Like, what has God given to me in order to share with others who need that right now? That we're, they're going through a tough time right now. How can I help provide for them? And they did this, this they did, sending their gift to the elders by Barnabas and Saul. And so we see them being extensions of God's grace in forgiving and in extending God's grace to people that weren't part of God's chosen people, right? 
I don't have to do the air quotes. That's all right. God's chosen people are Israel. Um, and so, <laughs> there we go. Uh, and so they, um, they did that, but they also extended God's grace by giving practically what other people needed. And so the question I would leave you with today is how is God wanting to use you to extend grace to the people in your life? Maybe there's someone you need to forgive. Maybe there's someone that you need to uh, reconcile with. Maybe there's someone that you don't need to really talk to because it wouldn't be a good idea, but in here, you're just really angry at them. And so what you need to do is go to the Lord and forgive them in your heart because you're still carrying around that bitterness. Maybe there's someone in your life that you know that you have a way to help them practically and God wants to use you, but you're kind of on the fence like, should I, should I? Well, the answer is, well, that's for you to decide. And when you are full of the Holy Spirit, God will make those answers very clear to you in that moment. Too oftentimes, we get very dependent on, uh, in church especially, I don't think it's that way here at Connection, but it's very easy for us to be dependent on a pastor and to only get words from someone who's a leader or a trusted advisor or a Sunday school teacher or whatever it may be. And, and so we're so dependent on this person that we, we lose that opportunity to, to live in, in dependence on the Holy Spirit and to have this powerful relationship with God. So I want to encourage you to do that, to be filled with the Holy Spirit and then pursue Him and love Jesus with all your heart, just like Barnabas said. So I want to encourage all of you too. I don't know you guys from Georgia, but I'm glad you're here. But I'm excited you're here. And I think you've chosen to be on, mission, on a mission trip to come here because God's working in your life. And so I want to encourage you to love the Lord even more. And my family at Connection, I know your hearts. And I want you to pursue Jesus with all your heart because He will never let you down. Keep your faith at all times in the faithfulness of Jesus. Receive His grace and extend it to others. Amen? Amen. All right, let's pray. Lord Jesus, we want to thank you for the great grace that you give to us, even in this moment that you're pouring it out. And we want to praise you as the true faithful one, the holy one, the Messiah, the Christ. And I pray that we would be known as a true Christian, one who belongs to the Christ, one who belongs to the Messiah. May we be faithful to continue to place our faith in your faithfulness. I pray that your grace would overwhelm us and transform our hearts so that we would be stunned that you would choose someone like us and at the same time be strengthened and empowered knowing that you have chosen us and you have welcomed us as your daughters and your sons. We bless you, our Lord, in your holy, powerful, one-of-a-kind name, Jesus Christ. Amen.